This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right. I'm going to throw you off a little bit and I'm going to say, Karibu, Ujambo Habarigani. Mita Kulo. Okay, so what I just said to you guys is I um, welcomed you in Swahili, um, and then I asked how you were doing in Finnish, uh, and then I said that it's really nice to have you all here in Swedish. Um, and uh, that's just because of my topic today. I thought I'd throw a little bit out there at you. I've come to a conclusion that I am a very complicated individual. Um, my husband would agree with me on that one uh, because it's just what you what you see is what you get. Uh, I'm usually this complicated and usually this zany. Uh, but I was born in Tanzania uh, on the mission field there out in a little um, area of the jungle that is still not on the map. I recently found like the surrounding area on Google Maps for the first time in my life. I'm so proud. I'm like, ah, it does exist. It, I was there. It's awesome. Uh, my parents were Finnish. Um, and so uh, they came from Finland to Tanzania. We're missionaries. My sister and I were born there. We lived there for a few years and then we moved to Sweden. And so I grew up uh, for years in Sweden and did all my schooling there. Um, and when I was about 13, I did my first international missions trip. Um, and from there, I just kind of started traveling, um, ended up traveling a lot to different countries, 37 different countries, ended up um, here in, well, 96, I came the first time, traveled back and forth a little bit. I moved here uh, in 2000, here as in Canada. That would have been in Oshawa at the time. Um, and so um, growing up for me, I was more comfortable in an airport uh, or on a plane or on a bus or train or something than I was in most normal settings. Um, and so um, at this point, I've held several citizenships. That's why I figured I'd talk to you in different languages. Um, but I eventually ended uh, up here. I married a Canadian, uh, and now I, I'm now a Finnish, Swedish, tan Tanzanian Canadian. Uh, or something to that extent. Uh, but one of the things that happened, thank you, I think we're good. Thank you, Stuart, also known as my tech guy. Bye, Stuart. Um, but one of the things that happens to an MK, and if you don't know that term, that would be a missionary kid. Um, Stuart that just left is one, and we have his beautiful twin sisters right here. They're also MKs, and I think they would concur with me. Well, let me ask you the question, where are you from? Uh, see, that's kind of what you get with an MK. Where are you from? Uh, you know when. Like, you're like, what do you mean? It's actually kind of stressful um, because it's like, do you mean where I was born? Do you mean my heritage? Do you mean where I lived the longest? Do you mean like what a citizenship I have? Do you mean where I live now? Like, I don't know what you mean. Like, don't ask me that question. Right? Honestly, that's what it's like to be an MK. Bless the Lord for missionaries. They're awesome. Um, but I realized very quickly that I have a very hard time answering the question, where are you from? I still do. Um, I always did. And for my whole life, I struggle with that question, as do my fellow MKs uh, and PKs, because they usually move everywhere. And PK would be pastor's kids. So, you know, you get into all these terms. It's just we're, we're like pegged into a hole. Um, but for me, I struggled my whole life with that question. Um, so I decided actually as a young child, when I was really little, I realized that I can't fully answer that question. It's really confusing um, and I can't be confident. So I actually changed my answer. And from being very little, this is what I would tell people. I would say, I can't really tell you where I'm from, but I can tell you where I'm going because my citizenship is in heaven. Um, and I actually decided that as just a little kid. And I've spent the rest of my life since exploring what that means. And so today, I simply want to share with you just a few principles that I have gleaned and learned from this idea of finding our true identity as a citizen of heaven and not as a citizen of earth. Uh, some of you may have slightly less complicated lives than me, but regardless of your background, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of um, the changing political climate and the world that we live in and changing values, the one wonderful thing about being a citizen of heaven 
is that those values never change. Um, and your sense of belonging will never change because God doesn't change. And so when we know where we're going, then we can actually establish what values that we hold in life, regardless of where we live, what culture we're in, or what span of history uh, that we happen to live in. I did have a PowerPoint that you know, we couldn't hook into, so I'm sorry. If I go fast, just if you need a reference, just let me know. Um, I had it all laid out for you. Uh, but Philippians 3.20 became one of my favorite verses as a child, and it still is. It's Paul, and he's saying, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so I've spent uh, really my life exploring this particular topic. So when Pastor, when Pastor Ray asked me, um, what topic I wanted to speak on, this was actually one of the topics. I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Of course, you guys can pick it if you want to, but please, um, I really wanna talk about citizenship because it's very near and dear uh, to my heart. So I have learned that there's principles that transcend, uh, transcend time, culture, uh, fads, trends, all the things that we're battling now, um, but there's privileges of being a citizen of heaven um, that are accessible to us, that we can actually live our lives and build our lives upon, um, knowing that really what we do here on earth is really just like a dress rehearsal for how we're going to live for eternity in heaven. And so we get kind of a sneak preview. So many times we live our lives as if this is everything. Um, and someone said, you know, the span of a lifetime it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it in, in relation to yourself, then it's really long. But if you look at it in the span of eternity, then what we do here is actually just very short and it's our, our time to really get to put into place and put into practice how God actually intends us to live uh, in perfection for eternity with him. Um, so how many know we live in a world that has like changing ideals all the time? Uh, would you agree with me that this is one of the scariest times ever uh, where things are changing, values are changing, things that were normal are not normal, you can't use that word anymore, um, and uh, if you actually hold to some kind of what they would say old school values, you are ostracized and called all sorts of things. And so when we look at how to live as citizens of heaven here on earth, it's actually becoming a very difficult thing um, in the world's eyes. But I think if we as Christian women of God know who we are in Christ and know what he has called us to do, how he has called us to live, then it can actually be very liberating in a changing world to believe in a God who is never changing. Uh, because it forms a solid foundation that we can build our lives upon and no matter where the trends go, no matter what, uh, what people around us require, no matter how the norms change, and you know, we have a teacher from our school here and, and just in the years you've been teaching, Teresa, you would probably say like what you're expected to teach, well, you're a teacher too, um, and there, there may be more teachers here, um, but what you guys are expected to teach has greatly changed over the years, right? And so it's scary when you come in and you're like, can I even say this anymore, <laughs> right? Um, and especially as a supplier, I'm sure you're walking into all sorts of like interesting situations where you're like, wow, what, what should I say and not say here? Uh, but the good thing about God is that even though culture around us is shifting, God actually provides an eternal rock and a foundation that we can actually dig in to root ourselves into and we can confidently come in and I believe with the wisdom of God apply these principles right in this culture where we live uh, but it's sad to see in culture that they have not just lost their due north but they actually don't even think you need one. So can I say I left my Bible in the other room uh, but I hold fast to the word of God being our true due north. It's our compass that will show us, no matter what happens around us, how we are to live. And unfortunately, because of these changing trends and values and even the political climate, I believe that Christians today have become very afraid of living the way God has actually called us to live in today's day and age. And the church of Jesus Christ, instead of being that spotless, victorious church that God has called us to be, we start to shrink back in fear of what people are going to say about us, do to us in this ever-changing culture. But I believe that if we discover not just who we are in him, uh, but also where he has positioned us, 
then I believe um, that we can start to see what he has actually already given us access to. And when we understand what he has already given us access to, I believe that we can start to see the miracles that we've been talking about all morning happen in our lives. So when I say miracles, I don't just mean, you know, signs and wonders and those types of miracles, but I believe that some of the greatest miracles are knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what he's given you, knowing how you can have the strength that you need to face every single day, regardless of your job, regardless of, of your surroundings, God has actually already given you everything you need to live a miraculous life. So I want to look quickly at what a citizenship in heaven really means. And, and I actually started thinking about this. Um, what, what does being a Canadian citizen mean? How, is everybody Canadian here? So you can all relate to me. If you're not, just shake your head at me. Okay, so I'm Canadian and other things, but I am Canadian. <laughs> um, but I looked at this. What privileges does Canadian citizenship give you? Um, well, first of all, you can travel with a Canadian passport. You have the ability to vote or run for a political office. Um, you have access to healthcare benefits, right? Those are good ones, we like those. Uh, we have access to education and to jobs, right? Those are some four of the primary things that a Canadian citizenship will give you. Uh, and I got all excited when I started to look at that because I thought, think about these points from a heavenly perspective take like those, those privileges that we have just as Canadian citizens and think about how heaven actually has given us access to this and more. Um, the access that the heavenlies have because of our citizen, citizenship are really amazing. And so today, really what I, what I hope to do in, in our time together is to shift our perspective from the depressing world around us <laughs> Um, and seeing all the, the sad things we see around us and shift our mindset to realize that we actually already have access to all the benefits of heaven and they're right there at our fingertips. So here's a few principles uh, that I've learned through my journey. Number one, we are to live in the world but not of the world. And I'm sure you've heard that before, but when it comes to this topic, it is so important for us to realize that if we live like the world, look like the world, act like the world, then we're no different. And we're actually not gonna be attractive to those around us because they live in the same chaotic mess that we do. And so if I can say this, this morning, whatever it is, afternoon, um, that I believe that when we understand that we're not actually, we're free to not live like the world. So many times I've met so many Christians that spend so much time trying to fit in. And I gave up on that a long time ago <laughs> because I'm like multicultural and I don't fit anywhere. So, you know, it's easier for me. Um, but in that sense, I, I actually gave up trying to fit in. And instead, I loved what Kara was saying this morning. Instead of just coming in and trying to feel out the temperature, she said, we need to be a thermostat. Um, I think as Christian women, as women that God has actually empowered and, and given this incredible access of, of the heavenlies to, I think we need to come into situations instead of tiptoeing around. I think we need to understand that we, we do live in the world, but we're not of the world, which means we don't have to look like everything around us. We can actually have something different that God offers us, a different way of living, a different way of thinking, a different way of acting. And I believe that um, well-meaning Christians have many times tried to look like the world so that they can relate to them and reach them. Uh, but I think that if we come and look like Jesus, and in, in our church we say we need to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, we call it live love for short. But if we truly live like Jesus and we love like Jesus, then the very people that we're trying to influence and reach will actually be attracted by seeing something different. They will see Jesus in you, Jesus in me, and they will start to see that we, we don't have to live trapped by the depression of the world. We can actually live in a higher realm while still living here with people around us. Um, and it's like traveling with a Canadian passport. I've done quite a bit of traveling, and so now I actually can choose which passport I use. Um, and, and I'm like, oh, Canadian works really good, <laughs> actually. Uh, people are very favorable as soon as you say you're Canadian. Uh, have you realized that too, Joe? It's, it's great, so I'm like, which one do we, oh, Canadian's a good one, um, right? And, uh, and it's a great thing because what it does is it shows favor before you even start to talk. 
So think about this from a heavenly perspective. You are a citizen of heaven. All you need to do is you need to say who you belong to, and I believe that when we truly know our identity, when we are secure in the fact that we are citizens of heaven, then God can start to show us favor before we even start knocking on doors. He can actually open doors that aren't supposed to be opened, Uh, but he can do it because his favor, actually says in the Bible that his favor goes before us. Uh, but we need to know who we are in him to tap into that uh, favor. Um, and think about even the Apostle Paul, he several times appealed to his Roman citizenship because he knew the rights that came with that citizenship. So when they were starting to mistreat him and try to get around you know, doing all these things to him, he actually said, excuse me, did you know that I'm a Roman citizen? Because he knew as soon as he claimed that citizenship that they were going to go, oh, oh, wow, yeah, um, that changes things. So can I say, as Christian women, instead of shrinking back and being afraid and being fearful, we can confidently come in and say, I may not know where I've come from, but I know where I'm going. I know who I belong to. And as a Christian citizen, I know what God has already given to me. I know it is already placed in my hand. And so when people come and try to to push back on our values, we can stand up as Christians and go, actually, just like Paul did, I'm a Roman citizen. Do you know what that means? I'm a citizen of heaven. Do you know what that means? It means that I serve a God who is above all things, who is never changing, and who already wrote the end of the book. And so we can actually confidently know that we won't be overcome. Jesus declared in in Matthew 16, 18, that he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's our ending. We know the church is not gonna be defeated. So even though the church is being pressed and persecuted and all sorts of things in these days, we know that it's not gonna succeed because the gates of hell will not, it's actually something that Jesus prophetically spoke like 2,000 years ago. And so we don't have to be afraid thinking that, oh, we're gonna crumble under the pressure because he already declared that you won't that the church of Jesus Christ is gonna be a spotless, victorious bride. But I think many times we forget to act like it. (laughs) We forget who we are, we forget who we belong to. And so what God wants to do is literally just adopt us into this heavenly citizenship. The very very church, uh, sorry, word church comes from a Greek word, ecclesia, which means to call out. And so, when you say you are the, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, that you belong to the church of Jesus Christ, you're actually saying over yourself that you are a called out one. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was called out. They were separated, and God specifically told them throughout the whole Testament that you're not to live like them, the nations around you, you're not to look like them. You are called out, you are chosen, you are separated, you are special, and you are mine. And so what we see now in the New Testament, he has said, you are my church. And he's saying, you are my called out ones. You are to be separated and called out my special people, my adopted people that are my own. Um, And so what we need to do is realize that a citizen of heaven knows their rights and responsibilities even when they live in another country. We see that with people that travel, they know um, what rights and responsibilities they have from their original country, right? They don't lose their value just because they may live in a different culture, right? Um, Romans 12, two, you may know this verse, but it's, it's one of my favorites. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? Do this, if you, okay, good, just checking. Okay, maybe, maybe it's just me, but, but God, has, uh, God has a specific plan for your life. And, and a lot of times we're on this quest to find out what that is, and this verse actually gives us the answer. It says, if you wanna find out what is good and perfect will is for you, then what you need to do is not think like the world because we won't find what we're looking for by living like the world, by living in the world, by thinking like the world. But he says you need to renew your mind and think like he thinks. And then he, in that process of renewing your mind, he will start revealing his perfect will for you. I believe there's a way to live in this world still be relevant to the people around us, but to live above the circumstances that so often trap us. And that doesn't mean that if you're a Christian, you will never have any problems. 
Because sometimes that's what you hear. Have you ever heard that one? It's like, oh, just if you just give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. False. (laughs) I'm sorry if I offended somebody right there. But it doesn't work that way. And actually, the Bible didn't say it would be perfect. Um, But what what Jesus did say is that he would be with you in the storm. That he would walk you through your circumstance. That he wouldn't leave you alone to fight off those things. But what he did promise, and life does change when you come into the family of God, I mean, it's awesome. Um, Living life with Jesus is the most exhilarating adventure on this planet. And people are like, well, religion is boring. I'm like, yes, it is. I completely 100% agree. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is thrilling. It's incredible. And it's like an adventure every single day. And so when you completely understand and tap into what it's like to live with Jesus, then it's actually, even though we face hardships, we face different things. How many have ever heard the story? It's uh, if you ever were in like uh, Sunday school when you were little, then the story about the two builders, one built his house upon a rock and one built his house on the sand and it's the wise and the foolish builder and we should be like the wise builder. How many have heard that story? Okay, so you sort of know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, my whole life, I've grown up hearing that story there's songs about it. I know a couple of Sunday school songs, and I'll spare you. Um, but, um, but they were really good, and hey, those songs help you remember, right? It's an awesome way. I still remember all the words and actions. It's awesome. Um, but uh, <laughs> so does someone else. <laughs> I saw those actions. Um, but when I grew up, we always focused on, on what foundation they were building on, which is the point of the story. But I had this epiphany a few years ago, and, and I, I, just, I was reading the story again for the umpteenth time. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Jesus was telling the story, and he said that the storm came to both houses. Duh. Because I grew up kind of being taught that if you're a good Christian, if you're really good, if, if Jesus really loves you, then the storms won't come you'll be so good and he'll be so good to you that you're completely sheltered from every storm. And it creates a false sense of what Christianity is all about because then when the storms come, you feel like a bad Christian. Has anybody ever felt that way? Uh Uh-huh, and so this big epiphany I had, I'm like, ah, it's the same storm that came to both. The only difference was what foundation they were standing on. And so can I say today, living a victorious Christian life does not remove every hardship from your life. But it does mean that when the storm comes, you know that you're standing on a solid rock, that nothing can move you. Jesus is unshakable, he's immovable, and if you build your life on him, if you know where your citizenship is, then you can be hard-pressed on every side and you can know that your house is not going to fall because of who you are in him and because of what he's already done for you. So the second thing I want to mention, so we are to live in the world but not of the world. The second thing is this, we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So um, just like being a Canadian gives you the right to vote or run for office and be involved in the political scene, do you realize that being a co-heir with Christ doesn't just mean that we get to be his kids and be his daughters, but he has actually invited us to rule and to reign with him. That's really mind-blowing when you think about it. It's an incredible privilege when he says, um, it's not just when you come to him that he he comes in and he says, well, now I'm gonna gonna mess with your life, I'm gonna make you do everything you don't wanna do, and I'm gonna change everything, and I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm gonna decide how you're gonna live. But instead he says, now that you're in relationship with me, as my daughter, I invite you to come and actually rule and reign with me. The very first command ever spoken in the Bible was found in Genesis when he says, be fruitful and multiply and you shall have dominion and and literally spread out over the earth. And he says that that not only should we have dominion, but we in, in the creation story, he literally lays it out and says that that in that dominion, things have to start submitting to the order of God. Well, as citizens, we actually get the right to be co-heirs with Christ, where we don't just come in as slaves. We don't just come in as servants, but we come in as a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
that's really awesome when you think about it. Because what he then says is, as my daughter, I'm inviting you to actually rule and reign, just like the original command, to, to have dominion and to subdue the earth. And so we don't subdue people, but we live according to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ here on earth. And it's an incredible privilege to recognize that he has given us the right as his citizens to rule and reign in the heavenlies with him. And just like an ambassador, you actually get to represent Jesus to the world. You get to, um, to represent, so represent his values, his mindset, and his kingdom right here where you live. It's an incredible privilege that we have. Romans 8, 15 to 17 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit um, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. So this word adoption here actually means the full legal standing right of an adopted, in this case it was in Roman culture, but it actually gave you access to the inheritance when you were adopted. And so God uses the same word describing when we are joint heirs with Christ, we actually get access to everything he gave to Jesus. So think about what God gave to Jesus. What are some of the things that, that Jesus has access to? Can someone throw out a couple of things at me? Meg. Heaven. Yeah. First and foremost, that kind of really sums it up. Thank you. Um, <laughs> heaven, yes. What else does Jesus have access to? Sitting at the right hand. Thank you for stealing my ending. Thank you. That was excellent. Thank you, Judith. Power. Miracles. Healing. What else? Identity. Father's will. Knowledge. Wisdom passion listen to these words what was that other one life life resurrection life think about all the words that we just mentioned when he's saying you are co-heir co-heir means equal heir to the son of god who has access to all the things that we just mentioned so can i say that the breakdown and the problem why the church isn't looking like the church is not sitting with Jesus. Because he actually already gave us access to all the things you just mentioned and more. But if we wanna live a life of miracles like we're declaring, the miracle of knowing who we are, knowing what he has given us access to, knowing that as citizens of heaven, we can actually access miracles, power, resurrection, life, all those things here and now. I, I love this phrase, I wanna live like heaven on earth. Because I actually believe that's possible. If we understand what it's like to be a citizen of heaven, then we actually have already been given the power and the access to pull down the atmosphere of heaven right where we are. And so we don't have to be bombarded by the atmosphere around us and become weak and anemic in our Christian walk. But instead, we can realize that Jesus, you have already given me access to all these things. And so what I need to do is not beg you as a slave to please come and help me, but to stand up, lift my head as a daughter of the king and say thank you for making me a co-heir with Jesus Christ and giving me access to this incredible power that is accessible in the heavenlies, but not limited to the heavenlies. John 10.10 10 talks about how Jesus has come to give us life in abundance. I believe that's the supernatural life that he he wants us to live here and now. But we need to understand that as a citizen of heaven, we're actually not coming begging for it. We're coming with the knowledge that he's actually given us full access to that because simply being a citizen of heaven. And we have the richness of his full inheritance. James 2, 5 says this, listen, my beloved brethren, and I'll put in and sistren, has God not, and there we go, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith 
and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to all those who love him. What's the stipulation right there? To love him. So if you love Jesus and if you give yourself to him, he actually is saying here that he has given the kingdom to you as an heir of Jesus Christ. It's incredible and all we need to do is love him. That, that's a pretty good exchange, I have to say. Number three, we, have to have, we get access to his benefits. Um, think about again, looking at Canadian access for the, we have a couple of Americans uh, with us, but they're not in this room, so we can say this. Because <laughs> they don't have, you know what I mean? Um, but Canadian healthcare is awesome. Because if you were to, well, I'm not gonna say that you're going to, but if someone were to fall down out there and break their leg, they can go right over to KGH, and as long as you show your OHIP card, you will get access to all the treatment you need and the latest, greatest technology they need to get you all healed up. Even if you don't have your health card, that is true. And so because of being a Canadian citizen, you have full access, right? Um, and that's a privilege we have in Canada, which is an awesome privilege because it's certainly not like that south of the border or in other places, right? Um, and so we know as Canadians that we're gonna be okay. So even if you face some kind of hardship physically and you go through something, you know that you're gonna have the best health care available to you, right? But think about this, as citizens of heaven, we have something so much greater. We have access not just to healthcare, not just to, to a Band-Aid solution, but we have access to the Creator that can actually fix what was wrong in the first place. And so instead of just trying to put a Band-Aid solution on our lives, he says, if you come into to my into relationship with me, if you understand as a citizen of heaven, you have full access to the benefits that I have already laid out in scripture. I wanna come and I don't wanna just cover up your sin, I wanna deal with your sin. Uh, instead of just trying to battle through depression, I want to break off depression. Instead of battling with inner healing and shame, I want to take away your shame. Those are the miracles that are accessible to us. And what we need to recognize is that he's already given it to us. We have full access. And it's not because of works. Remember how we said all we need to do is love him well? That's the good news. That's the good part is that how many of you ever tried to be a get better Christian so that God will love you more, right? Well, I love my kids. I don't like them when they're bad, <laughs> but I love them because they're my kids. So sometimes when we do dumb things, God may not like what we're doing, but his love never changes. His heart for us is healing. It's restoration, it's freedom. It's freedom from bondage and sin and those things that entangle us. And so as citizens of heaven, we can actually come to him and say, I know I'm messed up, but I need you. And I need you to change me from the inside out. Tell me any other institution in this world that offers that, nowhere. And I've done a lot of social work and those social work programs are awesome because they're helping people get on their get on their feet and, and help with different things in life, but they don't solve the problem. As a citizen, you have full access to every benefit of heaven to actually solve your problems, to change your life, and to give you a new identity. Where else in the world can you go and get a fresh start at any point? Wiped out, the, the whatever is in your record is just wiped out, and you get a fresh start. He makes all things new, like we sang this morning. Hebrews 4.16 says this, therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time and help, sorry, in time of need. See, God has given us access to the very throne room of God, where God sits, where God dwells. And he says, don't come crawling. He says, come boldly into the throne of grace. Can I say that so many times as Christians, we have missed the part boldly? And I believe there's many times that we're not accessing the power of God because we don't understand the right we have to actually come boldly, not proudly, but boldly in humility, knowing that he's given us access to his promises, to his miracles, to his power. There's a story in the Old Testament about five sisters um, that 
didn't have a brother and back in those days you know with the male system everything was given to the male heir and so they didn't have a brother and the father died and so they were just going to pass um, their inheritance to the to the next of kin that was male and so these five sisters came to Moses and they actually spoke up and they said hey wait a minute we matter too. <laughs> um, I love that story. Because <laughs> they're like, excuse me, that's kind of our land. And why are they going to get it when it's, it, belong, it rightfully belongs to us? And so Moses went before the Lord and said, what do I do with this? We give, we give stuff to males in this country. You know, God, hello. And God actually speaks to him and he said, no, they're right. That inheritance belongs to them. And so they got their inheritance, and even though that wasn't normally done in that culture, these five sisters got what was rightfully theirs, and the inheritance passed to them. But I, I was reading that story again recently, and I was thinking about this retreat, and I thought, you know, isn't that just like us sometimes, that there's all this stuff that's accessible to us. There's an inheritance and a promise over your life and over my life that God has said is there for us to access. But then someone comes along and says, well, we, you know, it's not really for you, and we just let it pass by. But can I say today, it's time to rise up as women of God, as, as daughters of the king of kings and say, wait a minute, that inheritance is mine. And all they needed to do was to ask. Can I say this morning, God wants you to ask. It says in, in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. If you know me even just a little bit, you know that you've probably heard me say that phrase. Well, I'm just gonna ask. Because I always say getting a no doesn't change anything more than not having it anyways. But I may get a yes. So I'm just gonna ask. So I, I ask for all sorts of crazy things and we've had um, some insane favor um, in our city because we've asked. And God, remember that, that Canadian citizenship, how the passport sometimes opens doors? Well, we've had access to some public schools where we have come in and done some, one in particular, um, Rideau Heights Public School, who has their grand opening of the community center today. That's why the principal isn't here, because she's opening uh, the new community center together with our mayor, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, but we've been able to preach Jesus in that school, bring Jesus right into that school, because we just asked. And over time we kept asking and asking and we kept doing things and we kept just serving that community and it gave us open doors. And for those of you who may not know the story that the principal of Rita Heights uh, about a year and a half ago now gave her life to Jesus um, and is now baptized and serving Jesus and it's absolutely awesome. And now she's being an ambassador for Christ uh, right in her own community. And it's awesome. But can I tell you, it's time for us to ask. If you have promises over your life, if you have things and dreams and visions that you feel like God has placed in your heart, can I say today, all you need to do is to start asking him. Ask petitioning him and saying, God, what about that thing? What about that promise? And now can I put a disclaimer out that nothing, not all things happen right away. <laughs> so don't come throwing things at me after and say, well, I asked and you said, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying that because I've learned with God that he's never on my timeline, which I'm still talking to him about that because things would run so well if it was my timeline, you know? You know what I'm saying? Uh, no? Okay. Um, maybe it's only me that's like that. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, Lord, like my timeline is usually pretty good. Um, but anyhow, we can only, the disclaimer is that we can only enjoy uh, the benefits of citizenship if we live by the rules of that citizenship, right? So in God's world, nothing makes sense. Have you ever noticed that? You're like, what's with all the, like how you live? But it's awesome because it's fun and it's kind of abnormal and we get to be abnormal together. So it's, it's all good. But think about this, to gain you have to give. To find life you have to die to self. To be great you need to serve. I call it the upside down kingdom. But it's the most fun, exhilarating adventure that you can ever be on. Because when you recognize who you are and what Christ is asking you to do and the benefits and the adventure that he opens up for you when you choose to live by his principles because then you get access to his benefits. It's really incredible. Which one? Oh. Oh, to, get, to gain, you have to give. To find life, you have to die to self. And to be great, you need to serve. That's what Jesus laid out for us. And that's what he modeled for us. That's why we need to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. 
Um, but can I encourage you today to believe God for more? To believe God for more, and even if you feel like you're having an awesome life, believe God for more. Never stop pursuing. If you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death, well, it's time then for you to rise up and believe God for more. And can I encourage you that sometimes we go through that and, and that happens. But don't pitch a tent and stay. It actually says as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need to walk through those things and they happen. But we know that God is with us and he said, my, my rod and my staff will, you know, can we all be there, I'll walk with you. But don't pitch your tent and sit there. Uh, because that's often where we get stuck. But God wants to bring us through those things because when we do, we can, he can birth new vision in your life for something more. Psalm 103, one of my favorite verse, uh, psalms. Um, I'm gonna read the first five verses, but you should read the whole psalm. It's really awesome. Um, so we don't have any benefits at work. Uh, we haven't for like over 10 years. And so this is my favorite because I'm like, it's God's benefit plan. I love it. Um, that's me, I'm sorry, I'm a little zany. There's actually about 28 different benefits in this psalm. Seriously, read through it, it's really awesome. I'm just gonna give you the first six. Uh, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Can you guys just say, forget not? Forget not. In the Greek, that means, don't forget. <laughs> just saying, oh sorry, that was Hebrew, never mind. Um, in Hebrew, it means, don't forget. You know what it means? It means remind yourself of these benefits. Remind yourself constantly that this is what God has given you access to. Uh, look at this. Who, who forgives all your iniquities. Can you say all? all? Okay, how many have ever lived life like God forgave some of them? But he forgives all of them. So whatever you're hanging on to, whatever bondage, whatever shame, whatever chain that you feel is holding on to you, you can recognize that as a citizen of heaven, God has actually forgiven all those things. It's, if you come to him and ask him to forgive you, it is done. He doesn't think of it anymore. You may, he doesn't. Um, he heals all your diseases, I like that one, who redeems your life from destruction. Hello, that's a great one. Um, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Crowning you. There is that royalty thing again. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Those first six benefits are forgiveness, healing, redemption, the crowning of royalty, and satisfaction. And then it ends in verse five saying that he will renew your youth like an eagle. How many need some of that? Oh yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yes. I need lots of that. You know the cool things the thing about eagles that I don't know if you've ever studied eagles, but they they use very little effort. They're brilliant. Just the way they're designed and the way they work naturally is they use very little effort to accomplish something. So when they see a prey on the ground, they actually just use gravity. They don't fly and flap. They actually just use gravity. They kind of soar, and then they spot, they can see from like kilometers away, it's crazy. And then they spot this poor, innocent, little cute mouse. <laughs> you know, you're like, squeak, squeak, run faster. You know, they've got you zoned in, locked in like a missile, right? Um, <laughs> the speaker in there, Lisa, can I tell you a story? Shh, don't tell her. She, she said they had a mouse problem in their old house, so she set a mouse trap. Shh, I hope she can't hear me. She set a mouse trap, they caught the mouse, except it caught it by its arm. And then she went, and then she's like, oh, you poor little thing, so she took it to the vet. I'm oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, and they're like, yeah, we don't fix broken mice arms here from the trap. So anyhow, shh, don't tell her I told you this story, but I'm like, Lisa, she said, but you should have seen the eyes. Like, oh, it was so cute. And oh, and it was squealing. And you know, I felt so bad. I'm like, anyhow. Um, should have been me, cruel mouse killer. But anyhow, no, so, so this eagle, it, it will literally just find the prey and it'll use gravity just to come and get it. Um, when an eagle flies into a storm, they actually don't avoid the storm, they fly right at the storm, 
and they use the thermal current, so they go right to the storm front, like right into it. They don't try to go around it or below it or, you know, circle. They go right into the storm front, and as they hit the storm front, they flip their wings, and the thermal current, because of how it's designed, it actually just takes them right up and above the storm front. So when God says that one of my benefits is to renew your youth like the eagles, he's actually saying that you don't have to live life outputting all this effort and doing things on your own, but you can actually learn to be just the way he created you to be so that when you face a storm front, instead of running for it, running away from it, trying to hide under a rock or plow your way through it, he says, I'm gonna renew your strength like an eagle and all you need to do is flip your wings. When you need to be fed, all you need to do is use what I've already given you, and in the case of an eagle, it's just gravity. And they just know how to do this thing. And they uh, will go up, and it's, it's prophetically very beautiful. If they ever get wounded, you know what they do? They find a cliff really, really high up where the sun is shining, and they will actually just sit in the sun and spread their wings like this on, on the rock, on the cliff. And because of the heating of the cliff from the sun, they will sit there until they're healed. Isn't that teaching us something about sitting in the sun and letting God heal us so that their strength can be renewed and then they're ready to go? That's the access that God has for us as his daughters. I don't know what life has thrown at you, but you need to know today that you're loved by God, that you're accepted by God, and that you do have access to God in your life. Um, fourth thing is this, that I've learned that God is no respecter of persons. And this is a good thing. Galatians three twenty six to 29 says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor male or female, for all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and here's this word again, and heirs according to his promise. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, some people think that you can only be an heir, well, in the natural, according to gender and, and who you're related to, but when we come to Christ, it actually doesn't matter. He can empower you to do anything because it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't know where you come from. It doesn't matter how good you are at something or how bad you are at something. God says when you come, you get a clean slate and a fresh start. And as a daughter of the king, you get access because he's no respecter of persons. So it doesn't matter if the person sitting beside you is so much better than you. You know, Kara was talking this morning. We, we all struggle with that, like, oh, if I could only be like them. And I think by doing that, we forget that we're citizens of heaven. We forget what he has already given us because there's no better you than you. You know, we've seen this beautiful thing with my mother-in-law, and she loves when I talk about her. So I'm going to talk about her some more. Um, she's like, yeah, more, more. <laughs> yeah, but since moving to Kingston, we've just seen this incredible thing happen, and some of you in this room are the subject of her love. You know, but she will just go in and one-on-one just love on all these people. And there's, there's no one like Lynn Jeffs, seriously. Like, she's just beautiful that way. And so she has to be the best Lynn Jeffs that she can ever be, but she can never try to be like Christina, nor should she, nor like me, because you really don't need to of me, trust me. Um, <laughs> you know, so people are like, I just want to be like you. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, my children do look like me, but. Um. <laughs> okay. All the good things, right? All the wonderful qualities of me. I'm seeing some of the non-wonderful qualities of me come out too, but I blame all that on my husband. <laughs> it's all his fault. Those days, they're his children. Um, the days that they're good, they're my children. It's amazing how that works. Um, but again, what we need to do is, uh, I just want to read a couple more scriptures and then we're going to wrap up. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, and this is the key. We need to look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the, and despising the shame of the cross, he sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. Our job is to fix our eyes on him 
And I heard this phrase, and I thought it was so good. It says, who we behold is what we become. And what we become is what we represent, what we represent. And so if we are to live like Jesus in this culture today and be representations of heaven, what we need to do is fix our eyes on him. And he's seated, it says, at the right hand of God. And I wanna give you our last point, number five, we're positioned with him. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 to 21 says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, again, that he's given to us, right, in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and here it is again, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So we see here that Christ, God has released his inheritance to Jesus who has released his inheritance to us. Then he seated him at the right hand of the Father. And then it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ. There's no better um, benefit to being a citizen of heaven than to realize that just like he placed Jesus above, what did it say? Every power, every dominion, every principality, and every might. He placed all that under Jesus' feet. So can I ask you a simple question? If we're seated with Jesus, then where is all that stuff? Under Under our feet. If we understand that we are citizens of heaven, then those things that come against us in this world are actually below us. They're not around us. They're not on top of us. As citizens of heaven, we need to be like the eagle and go to the sun, fix our eyes on him, and allow him in his power to release the kingdom of God, not just in us, but also through us. So if we're seated with him, we can get access to see what he sees, and to live the way he lives. And I love that in Isaiah 55, it talks about how his, high, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. How, how can we tap into that perspective? By sitting with Jesus where he's seated, letting all those other things be beneath us. So I believe that the biggest miracle of all isn't just a physical miracle or a sign or a wonder, but it's knowing who we are in him, knowing that he has actually given you the kingdom right inside of you. And you have full access to the Father as a daughter, the King of Kings. You're not just a child of God or his slave, but you're actually a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Full access to every promise. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.